Welcome to FemCon, the podcast series imagining new feminist constitutions for Ireland and Northern Ireland. The Irish constitution, Bunrock Naheran, has, has been there as a looming problem and very often a problem that I bang my head against really all during my, my adult life. What I particularly think myself around a feminist constitution would bring together issues of equality, but also relations of care and social solidarity. Hello, everybody, and welcome to FemCon. My name is Aoife Donahue, and I'm a legal academic at Queen's University, Belfast. And I look at issues around constitutionalism, international law, and most importantly, feminism. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Rourke, and I'm an academic at Durham Law School, where I work on gender conflict and international law. We're working with our colleague, Mairead Enright, at Birmingham Law School, who works on reproductive justice, grassroots organising, and responses to historical injustice to develop this feminist constitutions project. So before we get to today's great guests, uh, myself and Catherine are just going to set the scene really briefly for you. Um, as you are aware, probably there's been a lot of discussions recently, about, particularly following Brexit, about what the shape of Ireland and Northern Ireland will look like into the future. So this project is about thinking from a feminist perspective what that might be. So looking at the 1937 Constitution in Ireland, but also looking at the Good Friday Agreement and the English constitutional system. Because there is a bit of a tendency to think we'll just change bits of the edges and not really what they actually say or how they affect our lives. So as a project, we want to think about, in a really radical feminist way, what the future might bring. That's right, Aoife. So last year, a few of us got together to think about how we might take forward this conversation about constitutional change in a more radical and transformative way, to think about feminist constitutional change. And we've produced this series of podcasts to accompany the project and hopefully to get the word out. We previously all worked together in the Northern Stroke Irish Feminist Judgment Project. That was an all-Ireland project where we rewrote several of the key judgments coming out of Irish and Northern Irish courts. So cases like the X case and the Kerry Tribunal report. That feminist judgment method is one that we're trying to now use to rewrite a feminist constitution. It's an established method, it's been used across the world, but we want to use that method for the first time to write a feminist constitution, to build a network around that feminist constitution with activists and scholars and writers and artists, all interested in questions of law and feminism on the island. Those were also really fun projects to work on with lots of energy. And we wanted to bring that energy and crack, I suppose, um, to those questions about law and politics. Um, and also to think about it uh, across the island. So the name of the project is the um, Ireland slash Northern Ireland. So the reason to have the slash there, and we did this in the Feminist Judgments Project as well, is to say that that you know, the border is there. The border is important. It's part of people's lives. It's a way of thinking about each other and across each other and having dialogue and fun. We are thinking about it uh, in not only a north-south, but also an east-west, because there was obviously a lot of diaspora, people living all over GB in the UK and, and beyond. So we're bringing that kind of joy and energy, but also thinking about who should be involved in these discussions in a really broad way. 
So, Catherine, um, now we're going to have a bit of a chat about what we might actually mean by a feminist constitution. Like, what that is that exactly? Why is it different from all the other constitutions around the world? Uh, so, well, what do you think a feminist constitution is, Catherine? Well, Aoife, I'm going to cheat a little bit and not tell you what I think a feminist constitution is, because that's what this project is all about. It's about bringing people together to have a conversation about what a feminist constitution is for them. In the project, we're really valuing process and putting an emphasis on process. So we, we can have a conversation that allows us to arrive at one or even many feminist constitutions. And our first ground rule is anyone can write a constitution. This isn't just a project for politicians and lawyers and legal experts. Anyone can write a feminist constitution. And just because we've never lived under a feminist constitution doesn't mean that it's ridiculous. We're going to use our imagination and fiction and utopia to inform what might be a feminist constitution. We're naturally suspicious of claims to neutrality and balance, objectivity, because we know that those are the sorts of values that have typically worked against women and others. And we're very focused on the constitution as a lived document, the everyday life of the constitution. So over the next few episodes, we're going to explore that in a little more detail. We're going to talk about utopias. We're going to talk about art. And we're also going to talk about the experiences that other feminists have had around the world in legal change, both good and bad, because as we have plenty of experience of in Ireland and Northern Ireland, fem uh, constitutions can also have a very negative impact on women's lived experiences. In this episode, we're going to talk to two really excellent women who have had great experiences of constitutional change on the island, but also on campaigning for it, under living as well under very unfeminist constitutions, and what it's been like to see a place change fundamentally over the period of activism that they've both been engaged with. Alva Smith, we are really delighted to have her with us. Um, she is an academic, a feminist, an LGBTQ activist, one of the founding directors of the Women's Education Resource and Research Centre at UCD. And for those of you who don't know maybe Alva's name, you've probably seen her on television. She's been at the forefront of many feminist campaigns, including marriage equality and the Repeal the Eighth campaign. Constitution Bunrockna Heron has has been there as a looming problem and very often a problem that I bank my head against really all during my my adult life and that is without being in the least as you know a lawyer but it is something that I have had to become knowledgeable is maybe too strong, but that I have had to be aware of, I've had to be interested in, I've had to have a focus on. And it has also meant that I've had to think a bit, and certainly in terms of my own experience of fighting Von Rockna Heron, I uh, had to think about what a constitution is for and what it can do and what it can be, and in the Irish case, what it isn't. In one sense, I would be saying at this stage that I think a constitution can be a tremendous asset um, to citizens if it's set up in a way which values the existence and the contribution of every uh, citizen. But if it isn't set up in that way, and if it doesn't have that kind of central value very clearly inscribed in it, it's going to be very often more of a hindrance than a help. Comes to the point where you think, isn't it time for us to be saying, is that framework 
that is Bunrockna Heron. Is that still fit for purpose? We've challenged it, we've changed it. The uh, repeal the 8th, for example, was, I think, uh, the 36th Amendment to the Constitution in a relatively short space of time, because our Constitution is pretty modern, in fact. And I'm thinking to myself, well, if you've got to change something 36 times, maybe you should be looking at it as a whole. To what extent it really meets that fundamental criterion of being, of having the capacity to express the aspirations, the ideals and the values of an increasingly diverse population. So I think my own thinking about the Constitution has obviously changed and evolved over the years as something from being something to do battle with as to saying, well, do we need this particular constitution? Is it fit for us as we are now as a nation? And I think coming as it does when there are increasing calls for uh, border polls and um, voting uh, in some shape or form, either voting to vote for a vote on a united Ireland or voting straight away for a united Ireland, which I think may be a little bit previous, but nonetheless, these are legitimate calls. It, it, it really behoves us to say to ourselves, can we go forward to a border poll carrying with us this much mended constitution? It's been amended. It, it, it's sort of a, it's a, we're constantly having to repair it and we're, we're not really filling up all the holes. And I think that it is more than time to have a very serious constitutional commission, which would actually represent all of the, the people. I think it would almost be about saying we have to set aside whatever constitutional arrangements we have in the South and depending on the outcome of the poll, if, if there is to be a united Ireland, that we have jointly as a united people to recast our constitution. And I suppose my idea of a commission is that it would be a preparatory provide a preparatory structure and framework for that kind of conversation about what that constitution would need to do. Because, you know, removing the border doesn't create unity. It gives us permission to work explicitly towards being a more unified island. I do want to think that there will be a referendum. People sometimes say, well, it won't happen within your lifetime. And I say, well, excuse me, why not? You know, I jolly well think so. I think it should. Um, it requires, it would require back to Olympe de Gouges. It would, would require, you know, the individuals comprising the nation to actually go through a process. And that would need to be part of the agreement that you, in a way, you don't suspend um, human and human rights and civil liberties, but you say the constitution has to be put into suspension while there is an agreed time-limited process where we recraft and redraft and reimagine a constitution which is fit for uh, a united Ireland and for the 21st century. And I think that that that's something that I think would be incredibly challenging and incredibly exciting. And I am a little bit fearful that I'll be considered too old by the time that happens to be doing anything about it. We have to not make and do, make do and mend anymore. We have to stop tinkering and we have to try and look at what, what would a constitution look like that had a right to a livelihood firmly inscribed, a right to care, a right for care to be recognised, a right to health care, a right to a home, you know, all 
all of which should be reasonably supported by the state and, and not shoved off into Article 44 or something like that. So there is a lot of work to be done, a lot of consultation. I think that that root and branch change definitely needs to happen. And I hope your project and I know that projects of your kind will actually contribute to that process. And maybe as you go, it helps you to clarify what the value of this project can be, that one of its out- outcomes could expectedly or unexpectedly be um, a, a putting pressure on government to do that piece of work. So what I would really commit myself to is root and branch change of the constitution. So that's what I think feminists bring to the table. They're broadening it out. And I would also, you know, like those feminists to be of all sorts, all sorts, all sorts. The more the merrier, even even when you fight with them. We're used to fighting. We're good at that. It was wonderful to hear from Alva and her reflections on the Constitution. Now we're going to hear from Joanna McMinn. Joanna has led and coordinated a number of feminist and women's rights projects across Ireland and Northern Ireland over a very long career. In 2001, she became director of the National Women's Council of Ireland, and in that role, she was involved in feminist constitutional campaigns. More recently, Joanna has been working with us at FemCon, leading our community engagement work. Of course, I grew up in Cornwall, and um, I came to the South when I was 17 or 18, that kind of time. So growing up under British um, jurisdiction, I didn't even know what a constitution was <laughs> because there isn't one. And so I came to Dublin and what struck me immediately as a young woman then was the conservatism. But it didn't occur to me for ages that that might have some, that the constitution might have some bearing on that. But I was so conscious then of the influence of the church in um, affairs of state um, and its impact on the constitution as well, for that matter, you know. That was the late 60s when I came to Ireland and it was very, very conservative. And I was then aware of the expectations for women and what women would have, you know. I had been living in the country, but then came into Belfast to live. And I was working um, for the Open University at that time. Of course, I became involved in feminist issues and supporting campaigns. So my context in terms of feminist issues was always north and south after that. In 2002, I had done a PhD and had um, in UCD around equality issues. Following that, got a job as the National Women, Director of the National Women's Council. So in 2001, I got that job. And in 2002, that referendum came up. And for me, what was interesting at that time in terms of um, how we dealt with that in the, in the council, because we wanted to oppose it. It was around doctors' concerns and so on. And um, the staff obviously wanted to go out fighting as it were. But the National Women's Council, as you probably know, is a a membership organization and they are very diverse from very conservative to quite radical. So um, what I felt I contributed to that in terms of my own sort of um, agency in a way is to bring an adult education methodology to the discussion that we had with the members. So we had a members meeting. We set up at round tables with eight people at each, which is apparently the best um, configuration if you want to 
make decisions if you're, in case you're interested. <laughs> and um, so we asked questions. We didn't make up. We didn't put our own position as such. We asked questions about what women's concerns were about the, what was proposed in the referendum. And it was very interesting because doing it that way, we reached a consensus. So we didn't we it didn't become a divisive issue within the council. And we then came out with it. The consensus was very clearly to oppose the referendum. But I think it's great to have a constitution that is something very focused that you can say the you know you can act a, a constitution should you know give everybody you know it should reflect the kind of society we want to live in and so if it's in one document you can focus on that i can see you know the advantages of having a constitution and also you know there are things that you can change in the constitution through a very clear process of a referendum which to me is is, is so democratic it's really something to be proud of i think even though there obviously the irish constitution has limitations as far as women are concerned so i was thinking about this and i mean clearly it would have to be one that recognizes women and men as equal citizens you know, as well and with equal respect one of the things about living in the north that has been so clear with the Good Friday Agreement that that the Good Friday Agreement recognised the respect of the nationalist population, and that has had a huge impact. I think a huge impact in many many ways that aren't seen, but it's given people that sense of we are actually equal citizens here. You know, when it was a sectarian state for so long, I think that's um, so. That I think is the recognition of equality. Um, I think is so important and equal respect. But also, there are also different. You know, there also need to be um, rights and freedoms from, particularly from violence um, and women's rights, sort of um, in some way protected in the constitution. I don't know how that can happen, but um, but I think what what I particularly think myself around a feminist constitution would bring together issues of equality, but also um, relations of care and social solidarity. I often think my experience working in a feminist organization uh, during the time that I did led me to be part and to help found the the Equality, Equality of Rights Alliance, which brought together all the grounds of uh, discrimination under the Equality Act. And I began to see really that the, it really brought home to me the intersectionality of women's experience and in a very practical way. And feminists were very um, prominent in that group, in that alliance. So I've become much more, if I'm talking about my, my own position, it's, I'm very com- I feel very committed to social solidarity you know, between different groups. And that informs my values now. And it's what I would really like to see in a kind of society that a feminist constitution would would bring is a narrative that's around care and love and solidarity. So I would like that. I don't know how that would be articulated in a constitution, but it's that those values that I think I would like to see in 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 a feminist constitution. What I really took away from both of those reflections is the optimism that Joanna and Alva both have about constitutions and their value and their importance. 
And I found that remarkable from two women who've spent their careers battling the constitution and trying to change the constitutional status quo. I just found that really heartening and inspiring. And I think if we could bottle that for the project, that would be amazing because they've actually achieved things. They've done things. They've changed the constitutions for the better, working with others across Ireland and Northern Ireland. And if I go back to the Feminist Judgments Project, that was always the bit that I found the most inspiring was listening to to people who had actually gone about change and who'd been doing it doggedly for sometimes for years on end with very few people actually listening to them. So I think you know, that's something we need to bring into our project going forward, that this could be a very long, drawn out uh, activity that might go on for years on end. And but that it's still worth doing and that we can take inspiration from each other and a sense of purpose from each other and about, you know, building our relationships across the island, grassroots groups, academics, journalists, lots of different kinds of women doing different kinds of roles, thinking about these kind of questions. I was really struck by how both of them talked about managing disagreement and doing that in ways that were constructive and positive. You know, the idea that there isn't necessarily one feminist constitution or one feminist answer to constitutional questions. Actually, there's lots of areas for legitimate disagreement, but that the ways of managing that discussion, that's what really is about a feminist constitution, that we can do that respectfully in ways that acknowledge different experiences. And they spoke in very practical ways to how they had both done that in their past engagement with the constitution. What I really liked also about what Alva said was about not just tinkering around the edges with what the constitutional arrangements we have on the island, that we need to think as a whole island, but also about actual change. Because I think for from any feminist perspective, just changing an article here or changing this bit of the Good Friday Agreement there won't be enough, that we will need to really change how women are viewed, but also women as political actors. Now, we can only do this together. And I think one of the important things that we as a project will have to think about going as we go over the next few years is how we can do that in a really collective way, how we can do that in a way that hears people and listens to people and doing it in a way that will incorporate lots of ideas about what a a feminist constitution might look like, depending on where you are, where you sit, what your economic position might be, where where you, what your education might be, what your job is, what your home life is. And that there's a broad question here, not just about we'll change this article here or we'll change that article there or you know, we'll change the Northern Ireland Act in this little way or that little way. So in the project, we've been thinking about different ways we could go about not just changing an article here or changing an article there. And one of the ways of doing that is to think about feminist utopias, especially ones in literature, but also ones in art and sculpture. So because lots of women have already done excellent work in thinking about different ways we can make laws or different ways we can have society, different ways we can solve issues and problems. So drawing lots of inspiration from art and literature and thinking about those, how those could impact on constitutions and the way we go about the process of writing them, but also the substantive outcome. That's right, Aoife. And of course, we also want to be aware that Ireland and Northern Ireland isn't the only place interested in questions of feminist constitutional change. You know, we've had the Dobbs judgment in the United States, meaning that lots of people are looking to the US Constitution and Supreme Court for like, how things can go wrong, how they can go badly. 
We've had some very exciting discussions in Chile about constitutional reform. So I think it's important that we look more broadly to international experience to see what we can learn, um, the good and the bad, from feminist constitutional campaigns elsewhere. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in and listening to myself and Catherine, as well as Alva and Joanna. Um, We look forward to you joining us in the next two episodes where we'll be discussing these issues in lots more depth. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. Coming up in the next episode. So I think there's multiple ways in which feminist science fiction utopias can help us think about constitutions. The forefront of my role is almost to be that kind of like artistic provocateur for possibilities. FemCon was produced by Orla Higgins with sound engineering by Andy Gaffney. The series was funded by Durham University and produced in conjunction with Birmingham University and Queen's University Belfast. The team at FemCon would like to thank our great contributors and all the feminists who have inspired us along the way. Thanks for listening.